Hey, Disney fans, looking for the latest Disney news? And interviews with some of Disney's biggest stars? Have we got the podcast for you. Welcome to D23 Inside Disney. I'm Zynga from ABC's On the Red Carpet. I'm Jeffrey from D23. And I'm Sherry from Oh My Disney. And together, we are taking you Inside Disney. Oh, Sherry. I would sing that, except we don't have the rights to that song. (laughs) (laughs) I like your version of it. (laughs) (laughs) A poetic reading. Sherry Baby. Also won't sing that because... Oh, yeah. (laughs) Your name is so popular. (laughs) What can I say? (laughs) It's all about popular. Anyway, another song. Okay, anyway. It is great to see you. Alas, our friend Zynga is off making magic elsewhere, so we are... Without her this week, Zynga, we love you. We miss you. We miss you dearly, Zynga, but I'm happy to see you, Jeffrey. And I, you, Miss Sherry. What's going on? Well, this week was a huge week for fellow 90s aughts babies because the anniversary of Lucy McGuire, the series, was this week. And Uh... for Disney TikTok, we got to work with Jake Thomas, a.k.a. Matt from Lizzie McGuire, and he just went back and watched some of his favorite scenes from the series and comment on them, and he, like, recreates some of his lines, recreates his iconic dance moves. He was just a blast. The video is so fun. What a fun throwback. Check it out on Disney TikTok if you haven't already. And D23 also saluted the anniversary. They did an eight iconic Lizzie McGuire looks that we would outfit repeat. So so it was a big (laughs) McGuire fest, if you will. Mm, I definitely will. I actually probably by the time this comes out, hopefully barring traffic on the five, will be down at Disneyland to Mm. actually see in person what we are speaking with our guests about today. Yes, coming up on the show, we have... The fabulous Jeanette Lomboy of Walt Disney Imagineering, friend of the pod. I think this is her third appearance on the show. And (laughs) Disney Live Entertainment's Roger Hartzner, who is going to be here as well. They're going to be talking about Mickey Minnie's Runaway Railway, World of Color 1, Wondrous Plus, things that are on the horizon, things that are coming back like Magic Happens, and things like the Adventureland Treehouse, a whole bunch of stuff. So stick around. But first... We would be remiss if we did not congratulate all of our friends around the company on 22 Academy Award nominations. This <gasps> Woohoo! Week. Oh my gosh. Amazing. Fantastic. Yes, of course, led by the Banshees of Inishirin, which has a Best Picture nod, also mm. with a Best Picture nod, Avatar The Way of Water, and Woo-hoo. Friends of the Pod there, Sigourney Weaver, and all of our pals who you can go back and listen to on the podcast. Black Panther Wakanda Forever got five nominations, including the queen, Angela Bassett. So yes. amazing. And Le Pupil, which you watched. Ah, yeah, I love that. It's so funny. I just watched that a couple weeks ago and it, you're right. It was terrific. So it's Le terrific. Pupil, amazing. And, and of course, Turning Red. You can read all about all the nominations at thewaltdisneycompany.com. But really, congratulations to our studio partners. Just amazing, amazing. Mm. Speaking of amazing, amazing, Avatar The Way of Water. Where where do I begin? Avatar The Way of Water has become the sixth film in history to surpass $2 billion. Uh, that is right. Billion amazing. with a B. The film achieved this after just six weeks of release, and it is the sixth film in history and the first in pandemic times to cross that milestone. 
James Cameron is also responsible for three of the six highest grossing movies of all time, including the wow. original Avatar. And he's the only director with three films to cross this $2 billion mark. On top of that, we got to shout out Zoe Saldana, who has now starred in four of the six films to cross that mark because she has also been in Avengers Endgame, Avengers Infinity War, and the two Avatar films. So lots of records being broken here. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. But you know what else is impressive? What? A parking lot. <laughs> Normally we would not talk about parking lots here, especially ever. Like, why would we talk about a parking lot? But when one of the parking <laughs> lots is named Hey Hey, we talk about it. We've got it. So guests at Epcot this past week saw the brand new themes of the lot that's divided into a bunch of areas. So you could be parking in Hey Hey. You could park in Crush. You could park in Dory or Moana, Rocket, Gamora, Wally, and Eve. Their pictures are adorable. But mainly, I don't know how I'm going to make this work. But every time I go to Epcot, I'm going to have to find a way to park at Hey Hey. So we'll see how that works. <laughs> As you should. I mean, Oscars, Schmoskers. I want to hear about the Epcot parking lots. <laughs> yes. Same. Same. Well, in more Epcot news, Tafiti has arrived at the World Nature Neighborhood. Mm. Imagineers have been working hard to bring her to life for years, and now she is rising up over the landscape of Journey of Water, inspired by Moana. If you haven't seen photos and videos, go to the Disney Parks blog or Walt Disney Imagineering's YouTube. Check it out. She is larger than life. It is mm. truly a sight to behold. I love, yeah, they, they give you like such good details in that video. I was yeah. very impressed. Yes, yes, yes. Guests can get up close with Tafiti when Journey of Water Exploration Trail opens in late 2023. But yeah, see the progress online. It's truly breathtaking. And in West Coast Parks news, Disneyland Resort is honoring Black History Month with Celebrate Gospel and so, so, so much more. So throughout the whole year, you can enjoy Celebrate Soulfully experiences, but in February, the celebration expands with even more limited time offerings that you can discover all across the resort. So Celebrate Gospel, that is taking place February 18th and February 25th. This is a resort tradition for more than a decade, and it's returning back to Disneyland Park at the Fantasyland Theater. It's a tribute to gospel music, showcasing uplifting performances by award-winning gospel music stars, recording artists, community choirs. It truly sounds like a treat. Yes, of course, the singing will be amazing. But I have to mention Troubadour Tavern is going to offer a special honey-glazed fried chicken bowl and red mm. velvet bunt cake during Celebrate Gospel. So oh feast for the ears and feast for the tummy. You had me at Celebrate Gospel, but then you... Now I'm never leaving for that bowl. Oh my gosh, that sounds Same. amazing. <laughs> and starting on Friday and running year round, there'll be a new video produced in collaboration with National Geographic outside of Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln, where you can see the story of the historic relationship between Frederick Douglass and Abraham Lincoln. It's narrated by friend of the pod, Robin Roberts, and features expert testimonials and the family of Frederick too, which is really cool. Wow. Then over at Hollywoodland in Disney, California, Adventure Park, you may encounter Moon Girl. Yes, Moon Girl from Moon Girl and Double Dinosaur. Uh-huh. And there's more, more, more happening at Downtown Disney District and at the hotels as well. So make sure you head to the Parks blog for more info. Ooh. 
Well, for more info on this one, you can head to our friends at StarWars.com because Star Wars Galaxy of Creatures is back for season two. So galactic creature enthusiast SFR3, known as Ari, is back exploring the galaxy far, far away so you can learn about timid boglings of Bogano, the noble <laughs> Tatooine beast of burden that recently appeared in Obi-Wan Kenobi, known as the Eopi. A whole lot of creatures... It's a big galaxy, so there's a lot of creatures. There are going to be 12 episodes, and you can visit them at the Star Wars Kids YouTube channel and at StarWarsKids.com. I mean, who doesn't wampa learn about a wampa? See what I mean? <laughs> Nicely done. Mm. I was trying to think of a pun with EOP, and they're coming up short, so we'll just move on. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> In fun. more news for kids or kids at heart, Kiff premieres Friday, March 10th on Disney Channel. So this is a nutty new animated buddy comedy about an optimistic squirrel named Kiff and her chill bunny bestie named Barry. Debuts on March 10th on Disney Channel and on March 15th on Disney+. Plus. So Kiff and Barry, they're navigating school, they're navigating relationships, they're navigating their often eccentric community in Tabletown, a world where animals and magical oddballs tackle day-to-day -day life together, just like our life. Exactly. <laughs> mm -hmm. We've got Kamiko Glenn starring in the titular role of Kiff, Barry's voiced by H. Michael Croner, and joining the cast our recent friend of the pod, James Monroe Eigelhart, and many more gems. Also, each episode includes a new original song. So to get ready, you can watch and listen to the theme song from Kiff now on Disney Channel's YouTube. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Our pals over at the Onyx Collective, they just announced a whole bunch of new projects that are going to be coming to Hulu, including... Sheba, which explores the rise to power of the first queen on the continent of Africa. It sounds epic. Ryan Coogler's production company is making it. That sounds incredible. Also, Amir Questlove Thompson, who won an Oscar for Summer Soul from the Onyx Collective, will be making a feature film documentary based on the life and legacy of Sly and the Family Stone. So those sound really awesome. So I'm very mm -hmm. excited for those when they hit Hulu, one of my favorite networks to stream on uh, to stream you know how we can get more information on things that are streaming sherry jeffrey i have no idea it's from five fantastic things to watch this weekend presented by state farm for complete details and listings visit d23.com and remember like a good neighbor state farm is there sherry what could we watch or stream First, you can watch Meet the Robinsons on Saturday yes. at 7 a.m. Eastern and Pacific on Freeform. What a way to start off the weekend. We've got Lewis. We've got Bowler Hat Guy. We've got Oscar nominee Angela Bassett. What can go wrong? We also have one of my favorite songs from a movie with by Rob Thomas. So I love, ah. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of his song for Meet the Robinsons. Ooh, what a fun fact. Good to know. Good to know. Also on Saturday, it's the network premiere of The Proud Family Louder and Prouder at 8.30 p.m. Eastern and Pacific on Disney Channel with guest voice Tiffany Haddish. Well, then we head over to Sunday, and why not join the circus with Hugh Jackman as P.T. Barnum in The Greatest Showman, which will be airing at 2.05 p.m. on FXM. And why not stick around? Because right after that, another musical, the Oscar-winning Bohemian Rhapsody about queen and freddie mercury i love this movie i will add it's for mature audiences 
So maybe keep the little ones out of the room if you're watching it. And then from a hero of music to just a whole bunch of heroes on Sunday, <laughs> it is time for the broadcast premiere, The Wonderful World of Disney, The Avengers. So we get to see the first time all of our pals team up Iron Man, Hulk, Thor. I remember that iconic shot of them all in New York City. Well, you can watch it on ABC at 8 p.m. on Sunday. All right, on to our guests, two wildly creative talents with more than 50 years of Disney experience between them. One is returning to the show for her third time, and the other is an inside Disney newbie. But both are here to talk about every incredible new thing coming to Disneyland Resort as part of Disney 100, and maybe a few other exciting things on the way. Please welcome to the show Walt Disney Imagineering's Jeanette Lomboy and Disney Live Entertainment's Roger Hartzner. Woohoo! Woohoo! Welcome! Wow, this is such an exciting time for Disneyland Resort. Jeanette, we spoke about a year and a half ago and construction was underway on Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. What is it like finally getting to ride it here? I have to tell you, it is a dream come true for me. I was <laughs> a cast member in Toontown many, many years ago. And to actually get a dedicated Mickey and Minnie ride at Toontown just is a world of difference. So I will say I was a little bit jealous when Walt Disney World announced that they were going to get a Mickey dedicated attraction. And we worked really hard to make sure that happened at Disneyland. So I had my dreams come true. I'm really excited about it. I love this. And we're at Disney. We make dreams come true. Yes, we do. So Sherry and I did have a chance to ride Mickey Minnie's Runaway Railway mm -hmm. back in the before times. Well, so much fun. And <laughs> so we fun. actually made a very special video episode of D23 Inside Disney back in 2020. So head to the D23 YouTube page to watch it if you haven't. And while the attraction is basically the same, the queue is a fabulous exhibit from the Toontown Hysterical Society. So many great details. How did you decide which of Mickey's greatest achievements to highlight? Oh, there are too many to pick from, I have to say. And I think it was really tough for the entire team to pick. And we all have our favorites, by the way. And my favorites turn out spanning from everything from the potato prop from Potato Land, which is more recent. I think my boys are going to love the fact that we threw that in there. But to see lonesome ghosts appear, which I never in my life thought that I would see that happen. I mean, as the backstory goes, right, Minnie's worked with the Toontown Hysterical Society to make sure that we're featuring props and costumes from all of Mickey's films, or many of Mickey's films, I should say. And so I will say it was a long list. We all fought for our favorites. I am very, very proud that we also have a Sorcerer's Apprentice hat from Fantasia as well. So I think you'll find that there will be a little bit of everything for everyone, even though we couldn't just tackle the whole list. It definitely was a lot of heated debate about it. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that having gotten to preview it in September, the Disco Mickey Mouse outfit was a personal favorite, having worn out that LP when I was a child, just a precursor of so many things to come. You're not the only one, by the way. I mean, there that is definitely a favorite. Actually, I think that's probably one that was on everyone's top five list. So there you are. You are in good company. <laughs> I love the concession stand too. Can you talk about the decision of the, the design oh, of that? Oh, yes. You know what? By the way, this is the El Capitoon, right? So the, basically our, our guests are invited to the premiere of Mickey's newest chart, right? Which is the perfect picnic. And of course you can't have a movie theater and you can't see a premiere of a film without stopping by the concession stand. So right before you actually enter in to see the film itself, you stop at the concession stand. And I will say it is hysterical in and of itself. There are so many 
inspired types of candies and treats. And my absolute favorite thing is the Mickey shaped popcorn that you'll yes. find there. It's a small, tiny little detail. And I've heard you might be able to buy it too. So there you are. It's tongue in cheek. And I will also say we built it and designed it as well so that our littlest guests could also get a sneak peek on and see. So it's at kid height as well. So you can see your favorite collection of candy. Uh, super fun. I love that. When I did walk through it, one thing that was pointed out was that there's an extra room. It's nothing fancy, but there is an extra room that they don't have at Disney World. Can you talk about why that needed to be? I will say that while we knew we definitely wanted Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway at Disneyland, we knew that we couldn't just lift the design from Walt Disney World and drop it into place. In fact, our site is longer, narrow, and skinnier. It just meant that we had to actually get together and figure out a way to make just sort of the architecture of all the scenes fit into place. And magically, for the most part, it did. Since it's long and skinny, what it did for us is it gave us this really thin, narrow scene that we had to attach the scenes together to make it all work. Thankfully for us, from a creative conceit, it was perfect because we added in the bridge scene. And so there's this great scene now that only exists at Disneyland where after almost having getting smashed in the factory and Mickey and Minnie saving them, we get reconnected with Goofy on his locomotive. And just in time, Goofy turns back and he doesn't even know that we were missing. So it's a perfect bridge scene between what was going to be peril and doom. And then, of course, our perfect picnic at the end before we go into the train barn. So I will say, I personally, even though we were the second Mickey and Minnie ride to come into being, it's my favorite because it helps complete the storyline in a way that we weren't able to do it at Walt Disney World. It's sort of a serendipitous thing, if you will. I love it. Well, I mean, necessity is the mother of invention and Imagineering is the most inventive of the inventive. Icing on the cake. Absolutely. Icing on the cake. So Roger, Wondrous Journeys and World of Color One, both incredible nighttime spectacles. How long does it take to create these from ideation all the way to reality? How long does it usually take? Well, (laughs) (laughs) the reason I bring that up is we're really fortunate to be able to provide this kind of content for our guests and our fans. We usually take anywhere from uh, 18 months to two years to develop content. But because of coming back out of COVID and supporting D100 and the anniversary of the animation studio, we were asked to do this in record time. And it is nothing but a testament to the team about how they pulled this off in really a very compressed timeline from really conception of the original idea all the way to fruition. It was very short, very compressed, but that brings its own energy to it by the way, not that I advocate for it all the time, but it does bring bring an energy to it that allows people to really be their best. So we're really excited about the work that they have created in no time at all. I love that. So the show looks at Walt Disney himself starting this legacy of storytelling. Can you talk about how and why it was important to include Walt? In a couple of different ways, especially for World of Color 1, which was really an add to the overall program. We wanted something equally weighted at DCA as opposed to the, or in complementary fashion to the fireworks show at Disneyland. But we really wanted to speak to the Walt piece because it really fits in with the overall thesis of our creative director, Amanda Wynn, who came up with this idea. Amanda was an intern 10, 12 years ago and worked with us on and off and created this really beautiful little gem. The concept of the show is one person can make a huge difference. And as Walt started with one idea that blossomed into what we're 
luckily dealing with today and able to support and care for. The same thing goes for anybody. Any It starts with one action that then has a ripple effect. That's literally the badly worded thesis of the show. <laughs> uh, but it Not does it kind of follows any any creative, you know, visionary. And Walt certainly was that. So we wanted to make sure we incorporate him into that show. And even just from the snippet I originally heard a few weeks ago on the Disney Parks blog, like there were maybe some ugly tears on my part. The music is just so, so beautiful. So World of Color One is also the first show to ever feature Disney, Pixar, Avengers, and Star Wars. Can you talk about how you decided which characters and stories to highlight? It really was based on that thesis. Who made a difference? I mean, many of our heroes make a difference in their stories, but we carefully curated and selected all those choices. We did really want to think carefully about our latest and contemporary characters and stories. You know, we got the really great opportunity to recreate World of Color. We refer to the original show as classic internally, and we were able now to, what, what do we do to actually be more reflective of our current and latest group of stories and characters? So we really looked at the film list for the last several years, and we've been incorporating in several shows. So we had to have Moana in. We had to have Coco in without a doubt, and we absolutely had to have Mirabelle and Encanto mm -hmm. in the show. So we're really excited about that. We cannot wait to see guest reaction to that. We're very excited. Speaking of Moana and Mirabelle, Wondrous Journeys features every single feature film from Walt Disney Animation Studios history. So how long is the show and how do you get that many films into one spectacular? It's a great question. And I love to actually ask the question back whenever I'm asked about it. Like, how do you fit all of this in in 13 and a half minutes? Very <laughs> carefully. And I think guests are going to have <laughs> a huge blast trying to figure out where every film is quoted. You have to watch carefully. You have to be very attentive. But every film is visually quoted in this show. Thanks to our media partners who assembled this. Thanks to all the curation and support we got from Walt Disney Animation Studios. It was really a close partnership, making sure that we pay tribute to that group and to that legacy. So yeah, we have artfully, I think, if I can say that, put this all together in 13 and a half minutes and you can see every film in one way or another. I really can't wait. And Baymax is flying. There's so much happening. Baymax is flying. The Blue Fairy makes an appearance. It's quite a spectacular in typical Disneyland style. I love it. I love it. Now, both the queue of Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway and Wondrous Journeys feature the work of Walt Disney Animation Studios. Can you talk about how you partner together with them? Well, I'll start with Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. I mean, we couldn't have done it without them. And, and to be fair, I think... Imagineers love the history of our company and there's a long, it's an homage to the legacy of Mickey Mouse, right? The two are kind of hand in hand. You cannot have Disneyland without Mickey or the origination of animation. I will say two things, you know, in the area of, I'll start with sound effects first. Jimmy McDonald, who was the head mm. of Walt Disney, the sound effects department for many, many years, as well as being the voice of Mickey Mouse for 30 years. We wanted to pay homage to many of the sort of old school, if you will, contraptions, sort of vintage things that he used and invented to make the sounds come to life in a lot of, the, of Mickey's films and shorts. And so two of my favorites, one, the tritone whistle that was used in mm -hmm. Steamboat Willie actually makes an appearance in our attraction and it gives the whistle that Goofy is 
writing in Runamuck Park and on Runamuck Railway, it gives it its voice, right? Which is really, lineage goes deep on that. We also, in addition, were able to find a contraption, an air compressed contraption that actually made the chugging sound for Casey Jr. in Dumbo. And that actually lends itself to the sound that that Goofy's locomotive actually makes as well. So those are just two really special things. I mean, there's many, many more. Now, when I talk about music, this is sort of the newer piece of this, right? Christopher Willis, who created all the music for the most recent shorts, he actually created the new song, Nothing Can Stop Us Now. And if you haven't heard it, once you won't be able to get it out of your head once you, you do. won't be able to get it out of your head. I will tell you, it's just that timelessness, right? And being able to weave the thread between the many, many, many decades and all the reasons why people love Mickey and animation sort of all come together in this really beautiful way, past and present, looking to the future when it comes to Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. So a lot of respect back and forth between Walt Disney Imagineering and Walt Disney Animated Studios. It was really a fascinating effort to work with the studios directly and the archives. We were very intimidated, I have to say, starting the effort, coming up with the core concept of the idea, which is really to pay homage to everything, and then going to the filmmakers. Actually, a big room that was put together with as many filmmakers as we could gather and assemble and pitching them the idea, you know, it's very intimidating. It's, a, it's always a little iffy when you pitch your idea for the first time, especially to those that have delivered this vast legacy or participated in the delivery of that vast legacy. And it was a love affair actually right away with them. They were so flattered, honored, and wanting to engage. It was a fantastic kind of big room conversation on what could we think of that we haven't thought of? What would we like to do that we just haven't, you know, remotely thought of? And everyone pitched in and helped with those ideas. And we've been in close cooperation through the entire process, as it is really a love letter to that group of people and to the legacy that they inherit, leave behind, and are currently creating. It, it was really great. You mentioned things that, that you haven't been able or haven't done before. Is there one specific example that you can think of that comes to mind that stands out that you're excited about for guests to see? I mean, many things throughout the whole show. You know, the appearance of Baymax is fantastic. We've got a great history of figures and performers within the show. And that was really exciting that we could figure that out and do that. Can't wait to see what guests think about that, but we're very excited about it and just saw it again last night and it looks fantastic. So that's what I would choose. Amazing. All right, Jeanette, let's talk a little bit about the rest of the land. Toontown's going to be open in just a few more weeks. Can you talk about some of the enhancements and changes that guests are going to see and love? We're really, really excited to give Toontown a whole new breath of life. And so when they walk through Toontown, I think our guests are going to recognize all the things that they love about Toontown, right? They know that it's still the home of Mickey Minnie and all of his friends and pals. And that's true. But there are definite differences, right? There is wide open spaces for our guests to sit, hang out, and yeah, have a picnic. <laughs> and that is by design. As well, of course, you can't miss the new El Capitan Theater, which is sort of front and center as you enter into the land and is our gateway into what becomes Mickey Minnie's One-Way Railway attraction. I will also say I'm really excited about the ad of new play spaces. And by the way, our Imagineers were very, very thoughtful about thinking about creating spaces that speak to the cutting edge of or what's at the forefront of thinking about young families, kids of all ages and abilities, thinking about accessibility in a way that we've never actually designed in any of our parks. 
then I think we're really excited about being able to showcase that and to know that it doesn't matter what age you are, young or old, or what your abilities are, there is a home for you in Toontown. So really, really excited about that. I'm also excited to add Chip and Dale, right, into Gadget's Go Coaster, as well as you know, Goofy's had to play yard, right? So there's all kinds of fun in store. It's really about spending time with family and every member of the family having fun and doing it together in a way that I think um, is the spirit of what Toontown set out to be and now will be today and into the future. Looking at the concept art for Goofy's How to Play, making the candy, it looks so colorful. Is that like, what will adults enjoy about that? Because the picture does have a lot of kids, but I feel like adults are going to like it too. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, let's be clear. When we were doing all the research and the benchmarking, which we did, I mean, we were meticulous about this. I think our goal wasn't just, I mean, you know, if you do it right, it doesn't matter what age you are. And I will say that out there in the world, there were a lot of kinetics, right? Kinetics is fun. And so you landed on the one thing. There is, there's definitely gumballs and candy, right? In what was Goofy's Bounce House, but it's refashioned now. And there's this kinetic energy that is, of course, stimulating to young minds. But doesn't matter what age you are. Young minds are at any age young, right? I think the point is to say, we actually designed, certainly of course for our younger guests, but with everybody in mind. And the point wasn't to say, hey kids, go leave your parents and go run in that opposite direction. <laughs> no, the point was to say, we want the whole family to have fun, right? Like parents come with. And I think if you design it in that way, and because I went out there with my kids and we benchmarked, we all brought our kids along. And there were actually people who purposefully all ages, there were Imagineers who didn't have kids. We all went at it to say, how can we all have fun together? Because even though we definitely want to appeal to our youngest guests, we want to appeal to everyone. I mean, that's the point of any experience that we create in a land. And if we do that right, then we win. It's for everyone. So I'm excited to see what adults think, right, with and without children. So I'm looking forward to that once, once they're out there. Me too. And Roger, also returning, is Magic Happens! Yay! Speaking Yay. of an incredible kinetic experience, what are your favorite units in the parade? I have to say immediately that the Moana float is my favorite unit in that whole show. It's hard to pick a favorite. I'm not a favorites person, but that thing is pretty stunning, I have to say. It's gorgeous, and we're really excited about it coming back. And it's an interesting kind of dilemma for us in that it ran for 14 days, and then it had to shut down. And it's coming back finally in 2023. And was the 14 days a sneak peek teaser? And now we go into the full run. But regardless, you know, we're really excited to have it back. And so are guests too. We've heard that quite a bit, that they're excited to see this parade come back because it's so different and fresh. And it's a perfect time to come back during D100. 100%. And I agree about Moana, but mainly because Hey Hey is my favorite Disney character. Of course. Absolutely. <laughs> The little hey, hey. So Jeanette, it was announced that the Adventureland Treehouse will be coming back sometime this year. We are so excited. One thing that was said at the time was that will was that it will pay tribute to the original Swiss Family Robinson Treehouse. Can you explain the pay tribute versus making it Swiss Family? I think this is purposeful in the way that we imagined and, and thought about redesigning this. Ultimately, you know, Swiss Family, the original Swiss Family Treehouse is exactly as I see it in my childhood memories, right? As too many of our guests, right? It's very specific. And we knew that when we wanted to tackle reimagining the treehouse, we certainly wanted to pay homage to that and to respect our lineage. Because as a kid, I loved the water wheel. There's aspects of it, just dreaming that I wanted to be in this treehouse. But we knew we could never go back to the original, replace it just as so. So it felt like 
if we thought about the many decades to come, right, at Disneyland, it was like, let's make sure that we remember our roots and that we pay respect to that and are inspired by it, but let's create a new story. So it is based on a family of adventurers. So there's a daughter, there's a son, there's a whole family unit. It's great. There's lots of inspiration. They each have their own rooms. Clearly, you'll hear more about this soon and see yeah. it soon since we're opening in a few months. But each one of those rooms is attached to each member of the family. And it still has that same spirit of adventure, of wanting to believe that you are that family member living in that room. Things like the water wheel are coming back. So the things that I think our guests love about that treehouse they'll see, it's just a new story as we think to the future, but definitely is a nod to the original attraction. Love it. Downtown Disney has so much coming. Uh, a while back, we spoke with Ken Potrock, and we told him how much we loved all the things he did with Disney Springs, really upping the theming of what had been there. Now, from all the concept art, and it looks like you're taking a sort of a similar approach with the new things coming. Are we off track? Are we on track? Are we completely... <laughs> We are really excited. I mean, this is the first time that we're truly expanding downtown Disney with a new district, right? Yeah. We have our Art Deco inspired district. We have our Craftsman inspired district. We're now actually launching a mid-century modern inspired district, which makes a lot of sense because we're next door to the Disneyland Hotel as well as the monorail station coming through it. And so it really felt like, a, a, and by the way, it's Southern California as well. We wanted to pay respect as well to where we are and our architectural roots. And, and certainly mid-century modern is so part of what is Southern California. So I am as excited as creating this new district, which by the way, includes this large lawn with a decompression space where our guests can come together and an entertainment stage. We'll have all kinds of programming, seasonal events, but I'm equally excited about all of the new food and beverage and retail offerings coming in. So Din Tai Fung, which is one of my personal favorites, can't wait to be sitting there and eating at downtown Disney. And the architecture, which is like, how do you take an Asian inspired mid-century modern piece of art and make it come to life? I mean, it's very, very cool. So, you know, obviously this is also opening in 23. There's so much happening this year, but yeah, spot on. I think we're taking, basically it's how do we expand, but take what we have done well. And so much has happened. It's been a renaissance for us at downtown Disney over the last five to 10 years and just expanding in this way is really exciting. So there's more to come, lots of exciting offerings coming. And, and, and certainly I think it's next level retail food and beverage entertainment offerings for downtown Disney here in Southern California. Uh. And we are sadly to our very last question, which Jeanette, we've asked you many times before, but we end every interview with this question. What is your favorite Disney memory? I'll go. Of course, there are the memories of Disneyland when you're not attached to it legitimately, but you're attached to it as a guest and a fan. And those started at seven years old for me and, you know, continued through the years. So I think one of my most remember favorites is tough, but one of my most memorable moments was when I saw World of Color for the first time. And I helped develop the front end of World of Color, meaning how are we going to do this? How do you achieve something like this and set up the project for success? And then I had to turn my attention to other things and hand off to a team, which was really hard to do. But when I saw the fruition of that for the first time, it was really mind-blowing that we at Disney can do something like this. So that's my probably latest memory that really sticks with me. I loved seeing World of Color the first time. So yes, I'm with you on that. I'll stick in the theme with Disneyland. So when I was a little girl, probably my very first dream was to be a storybook land 
ride operator. And it was because I loved sitting on the boats and being told stories. And and I thought one day I want to do that and be that. That was even before I learned what Walt Disney Imagineering was. Mm. In high school, I finally learned what Walt Disney Imagineering was and wanted to be that. But as soon as I could, I was a graduating senior in high school. I applied at Disneyland and got the job to be a Fantasyland ride operator and very quickly was trained to be a storybook land ride operator. And I will never forget my first day when I got on the boat and got to take my first set of guests around and got to tell stories. I've always loved stories and to live that first childhood dream at Disneyland, the place that dreams became reality, sort of set the stage for the rest of my career and my life. So as I think about it, it takes, makes, makes me a little bit teary-eyed, right? Because dreams can come true for a little girl that was five once and then they just kept going and got bigger. So there you are. I love that. I feel like that's a good analogy for both of you. You know, they, you started out telling these stories in one way, and now both of you are telling these stories on this incredible canvas. That's the entire park. So congratulations on the attractions, these spectacles. We cannot wait for guests to be able to enjoy it. And we know they're going to love it. Yeah. We'll see you both real soon. Well, thank you, Jeffrey. We'll see you soon too. Thanks very much. I could have talked to them for hours. They tell such great stories. Yeah. I'm going to have to watch Wondrous probably at least a hundred times to catch all the characters. It sounds <laughs> insane. And I can't wait to see the queue in Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. Yes. I, it looks ugh, amazing. Anyway. Amazing, amazing, amazing. We've got to have Roger back. We've got to have Jeanette back for her millionth show too. Exactly. She's going <laughs> to rival Yvette Nicole Brown at this point. She I don't really know what to will. do. Someone call well, Yvette Stat. <laughs> Thanks again for listening to D23 Inside Disney. Don't forget to like and share this episode wherever you listen or subscribe. And if you want to chat with us, hashtag D23 Inside Disney. And for all the latest Disney info, check out D23.com. We'll be back next week with more Disney news and a fantastic guest on an all new episode of D23 Inside Inside Disney. Disney.